Good morning, everybody, and happy Easter to you. Uh, welcome to our live stream uh, this morning. May I begin the service by reading these glorious words of Jesus to you. Listen to these words in John 11. It says this, Jesus said these words, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And that is our question for us this morning. Do we believe that Jesus is risen from the dead, that Jesus truly is alive? That is what we can focus on, our glorious Christ. And so this morning, what we want to do is something a little different. There's a bit of a, a different setup and a big thank you uh, to Steve Keating, who, who helped um, set up this whole service uh, for you. I'm very thankful uh, for him. Um, as we begin our service, what we're going to do is sing uh, the glorious Christ. But before we do that, let me just say to you, take this opportunity as you hear this song uh, being sung. Take this opportunity uh, to reflect on our glorious Christ. Take this opportunity to prepare your hearts for what you are going to hear um, from God's word. We're looking at Romans 8 verses 31 to 39. So if you don't have a Bible or you're not used to um, opening a Bible, you can even just Google it right now. Romans 8 verses 31 to 39. And then use this opportunity as we sing the song, Glorious Christ, to praise him, to prepare your hearts, to maybe get ready for a reflection time at the end. And also take this opportunity to say hi to one another. Leave a comment down below. Make sure to share. Um, click the start button here and, and share this message out with people. This is the good news. And we began these, this series by looking at, at God. And then we looked at people. And now this morning, we look at our glorious Christ. So let us play this song and sing this together.
I love those words. You're seated now in heaven, enthroned at God's right hand. You shattered death and freed us from our sins. A wonderful, wonderful song for us to begin our service with this morning. Again, I'd like you to take the opportunity to say hi to one another, leave a comment, let us know that you're there, um, let us know where you're watching from, who you're, who you're watching with. Let's say Happy Easter to one another, and let's again take this opportunity to share this good news out. As I've been thinking in the last number of weeks, I have received um, a number of phone calls and a number of, of texts, and, and many people are going through many hard times right now. And right now, people are asking the hard questions. People are asking the hard questions of life right now. They are asking themselves, when is all this going to end? When is all this going to be over? As, as the dates have been extended for the lockdown, when is all this going to finish? What is going to happen to my children? When are they going to go back to school? What is going to happen to my family and my children who are overseas? What is going to happen with my son and my daughter who are working in the hospital on the front lines? What is going to happen with my grandmother who has an underlying illness? We're all asking the hard and difficult questions. And what makes these questions so hard and so difficult right now is that we do not have any answers for them. They're all what ifs. And we don't know what the solution is going to be and we don't know when this is going to end. The good news for us, for those of us who have put their faith and trust in Jesus, is that we aren't just left with hard questions. In fact, what I think we should do in a time like this, in a time that we have right now, what I think we should do is ask what I call the good questions. What I think we should do right now is ask what I call the good news questions is ask the gospel questions. Because once we ask those questions, it won't give us the answer to the hard questions that we're asking, but it'll put those questions into great perspective. Now, some of you might be frustrated by me suggesting that what can help us with hard questions is good questions. And the reason you're frustrated with that is because when we're going through hard times and difficult times and serious times, we don't want people to ask us more questions. We don't want to ask more questions when we're going through difficult times. What do we want to do? We want answers. We don't want questions. We want answers. But my friend, when you hear these questions, these questions could change your life forever. Because these questions will put everything into perspective. And I would like to remind each Christian here watching that these questions, they are yours. What questions am I talking about? I'm talking about the questions that Paul asks in Romans chapter 8. Paul asks a few amazing questions in Romans chapter 8. And the first question that Paul asks in Romans chapter 8 is this. Who can be against us? 
Who can be against us? Let me read it to you here. Romans 8 verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And you will notice something about the question that I asked and the questions that are here. I asked the question, who can be against us? But you will notice something. I missed half of the question. And it is the other half of the question that unlocks the beauty of this question for us. The question fully is this. If God is for us, who can be against us? This is one of the most marvelous gospel questions that we can ask today. If God is for us, then who can be against us? And that puts it all into perspective. Because these questions that I'm going to ask this morning or that Paul is going to ask this morning, they are not just questions with no answer. They are questions that imply an answer. If God is for us, who can be against us? The answer for the Christian, for the one who believes in Christ, the answer is no one. If God is for us, who can be against us? The answer is no one. No one can be against us. But before we get to that question, you will have noticed something else. There is a question before that, isn't there? It is not the first one. Verse 31 begins by saying, what then shall we say to these things? What then shall we say to these things? Now, what is Paul talking about, about these things? What are these things that he wants to us to respond to? These things were the things he was talking about in chapters 5, 6, 7 and 8. Because Paul reminded them and reminded us of some glorious truths in these chapters. And here are the glorious truths he reminded us of. Us of. Chapter 5, verse 1. It says those who believe in God, have, those who believe in Christ have, have peace with God. In chapter 5, verse 8, it says, God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Chapter 6, verse 10 tells us that we are made alive in Christ. Chapter 6, verse 23 tells us, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. At the end of chapter 7, he says, wretched man am I, who will deliver me from this body of death? And he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then of course Romans 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then he says in verse 31 of our passage, what shall we say to these things? We shall say my friends, if God is for us, who can be against us? That is what we should say to these things. The problem for those of us who are asking these hard questions is it doesn't feel like God is for us right now. It doesn't feel like God is for me right now. In fact, it feels like everything right now is against me. It feels like everything is against me socially right now. Here I am at home. 
on my own, stuck inside and cannot go out. I don't have the freedom to go out and exercise where I want. I don't have the freedom to go and meet my friend for a coffee. Everything is against me socially. You might feel that everything is against you economically. I might lose my job right now. Maybe some of you already have lost your job right now. You're wondering how the finances are going to go, how the bills are going to be paid. Everything seems against you socially and everything seems against you economically. And right now for many of you, because I know I've been on the phone to some of you, it feels like everything is against you emotionally. Fear has set in. Anxiety has set in. Depression has set in. And so it feels like God isn't for us. And it feels like everything is against us. So how can I possibly say that God is for us this morning? I can say that God is for us this morning on the basis of what it says in verse 32. Listen to these wonderful words. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You know this morning that God is for you because God did not spare his own son. God is for you this morning because God gave you everything that he has. True love, true love, pure love does not hold back. And we cannot experience that kind of love in this world because I don't care what kind of relationship you are in right now. Many relationships that we have right now, you always hold back something. In fact, the marriage relationship is constantly, uh, slowly, day by day, giving over of more of yourself to the other person. But you always know there's something that we're, we're holding back sometimes. Well, with God, he didn't hold anything back. God gave us everything that he had. He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us on Good Friday to die in our place. That those who would believe in him can also say, if God is for me, who can be against me? And if that is true, if he did not hold back his own son, if that is true, then will he not also graciously give us all things? If he gave us the best thing that he had, won't he give us all other things that we need for this life and godliness? Until we finally meet him in heaven and get all things. You see, because even the bad things that are given to the son this earth, us on this earth even as christians god takes those bad things and he uses them to grow us and mature us into his likeness he uses them for our good let me explain it to you this way what is the worst thing that you think could happen to us in this life one of the worst things that i think could happen to us in this life many would say is death one of the worst things to happen in this life, many would say, is death. But the Christian perspective, Christians are quite weird because the Christian perspective is this. It's what Paul said. 
For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That doesn't mean we we look out for death wherever we can find it. No, what that means is if I'm going to live, I'm going to live for Christ and that will be good. But it also means if I am going to die, that is going to be my gain because I am going to be with him forever. So even the bad things that I get in this world, God will use them and turn them to good. And so ultimately we can say, if God is for us, who? can be against us. That, my friends, can be your question too, if you would put your faith and trust in Jesus. He doesn't stop there with his questions. He also asks another great question, and it is this. Who shall bring a charge against us? Not only who can be against us, But who can bring a charge against us? And you know what the implied answer to that is as well. The implied answer to that is indeed no one. Who can bring a charge against us? No one. Listen to what he says in verse 33. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Those who are God's elect are those who are God's chosen people who have believed in him by faith. And he asks, who can bring a charge against them? And the implied answer is no one. And you might be saying to me, no, that that cannot be true. Everyone could bring a charge against me. In fact, if you were to picture, I want you to picture this. I want you to picture the courtroom of your life. And if you were to walk into that courtroom of your life, you would say to me, listen, Shane, there is too much evidence against me. There is too much evidence against me. I could be charged with many things in my life. If you look back on your life, all your life, everything you've thought and said and done, do you think that we would have charges of sin to bring against you? Do you think there would be evidence to bring against you in the court? And you would say yes. So there could be charges brought against me. But you would say also this. Not only could there be charges brought against me, but there could be many, many witnesses brought against me in my life. Many people who could accuse me in my life of of wrongdoing. You and I are both the same in this. One of the greatest accusers in our life is Satan. If he was to be brought into the stand, Satan's name can be translated accuser. And Satan is always accusing us. Satan is always reminding us of how bad we are and how bad our sin is and and who we are. He is always accusing us and pointing the finger at us and causing us to question our faith. And so if he was to take the stand, He would bring charges against us. And then there's those people in our lives who we've wronged. There's those people that I call in your life, you know, those those list keepers, the list keepers in your life. And they are those who seem to keep a list of all the sins that you have ever committed in your life. They seem to have have it in in a filing cabinet almost, ready to bring up against you. Whenever you do anything wrong. And so they keep that list of all your sins. And then anytime you commit any sin, they bring the evidence back up again against you to show you how bad you are. 
Not only is Satan against you, but other people are against you and they take the witness stand. But then one of the worst accusers in your life. For sensitive Christians, do you know one of the worst accusers in your life? It is you. If you were to take the witness stand. You would say, I'm guilty. Because you know you. You know you. You know why you say the things you say. Now, no, we don't know all our motives. But we do know some of them. And even the good things that we know, that can be a charge brought against us. The good things that we do, we can have bad motives. And so in this court, you see, all the evidence would be piled up against you. The accuser, Satan, would be against you. Other people would be against you. You would be against you. So who can bring a charge against you? You would say everyone except for this fact. We have forgot one person in the courtroom. And the one person we have forgotten in the courtroom is God himself. The judge. And it talks about the judge and says this. It is God who justifies. Praise God that you don't justify you. If you were to try and justify you, you would be guilty. But listen, my friend, it is God who justifies. You don't justify you. God justifies you. And how does he justify you? He justifies you by faith in Jesus Christ. And he says, after seeing all of the evidence and after seeing all of the witnesses, he, he says to you, not guilty. Why? Because he did not spare his son. And his son took the penalty for your sin. And in justice, he could say to you, not guilty. This is good news. Now hear me, Christian. The highest court in our land is the Supreme Court of Ireland. And if there is a case brought in the Supreme Court in Ireland, and if they were to find the person not guilty, if they were to bring a ruling, that ruling in this land would be final. No one or nothing could bring that up again. No one could bring that charge up again. It is done. It is finished. It is over. Now imagine it. The God of all the universe, the judge who does what is right in his eyes, who holds all things, who sustains all things, who keeps all things. Imagine if he says to you, not guilty. Well, then, my friend, guess what? You are not guilty. And no one or nothing can bring a charge against you. These are good questions, aren't they? Because these are gospel questions. Who can be against us? No one. Who can bring a charge against us? No one. And the third question is this. Who can condemn us? And you know the answer, don't you? No one can condemn us. 
Listen to verse 34. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who is to condemn us? No one. One of our favorite verses in Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says these words. Therefore, there is now no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, my friends, how do we know that that is true? How do we know that there is therefore now no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? There are four things in this verse that tell us that this is true. The first is this. We know that no one can condemn us because Jesus died. It says this. Who is to condemn us? Christ Jesus is the one who died. No one can condemn us because Christ Jesus is the one who died. We remember it in, in, our, in our Good Friday Bible study uh, on Zoom. Uh, Steve Blanchard was leading us and he led us so well as we walked through the Gospel of Mark and saw all that Jesus had done. And we're struck again by the fact that Jesus prayed, Father, take this cup from me, but yet not my will. Your will be done. Take this cup of wrath from me, Father. And do you know what happened? The Father didn't take the cup of wrath from Jesus. He did not spare his own son. His own son took our place. His own son was condemned with the wrath of God in our place. Therefore, no one can condemn you because Jesus died. But there is more than that. There is more than just Jesus died. And you say, how can I say that there is more than just Jesus died? Because that is what Paul says in the verse. Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that. Who was raised? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that. Who was raised? What could be possibly more than that Jesus would die for my sin? That Jesus would die for us? What could be more than that? What is more than that is that he rose from the dead. You see, Good Friday is pointless without today. Good Friday has no power without Easter Sunday. If Christ Jesus hasn't been raised, this is pointless. That is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15. If Christ has not been raised, then my preaching is useless. And so is your faith. If Christ has not been raised, what I'm doing right now is absolutely pointless. And you may as well turn me off if you haven't already and start watching Netflix. What's the point in doing this? Because Christ Jesus has been raised and therefore no one can condemn you. But not only has Jesus died and been raised, but Jesus reigns. Because there is also a question I get asked. And the question is this. After Jesus died, where did he go? Where did he go? The passage tells us more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, 
Right now, as we were singing in, in glorious Christ, he is at the right hand of God right now. He died, he was raised, and he is now seated at the right hand of the Almighty. And him being seated at the right hand means two things. Firstly, it means this. If he is seated at the right hand, it means his job is done. I have asked this question of you before on the Friday uh, Bible study. And it is this. What do you want to do after a hard day of work? When you've worked really hard, you've worked your finger to the bone and you've had a really hard day. What is the first thing that you want to do when you get home? What's the first thing you want to do? The first thing you want to do when you get home is you want to sit down. Now, why do you want to sit down? You want to sit down because the job is done. Jesus Christ sat down because his job is done. It is finished. He has paid for the sin of us all. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father because his job is done. The priests in the Old Testament, they weren't able to sit down. They had to offer offerings day after day after day when Jesus died. He died once for all. When Jesus rose, he rose once for all. And when Jesus sat down, he sat down once because it is finished. But not only does this seat tell us his job is finished, this seat tells us that Jesus rules and reigns. Because for those who would sit at the right hand are those who are equal in authority. And that is Jesus right now. He rules. He reigns in your life. Let me tell you, Christian, who can condemn you? No one. Because there is no one who rules in your life. So those people in your life who are trying to condemn you right now of your sin, they can't bring condemnation against you. Why? Because they don't rule in your life. Who rules in your life? The one who is seated at the right hand of the Father, Jesus Christ. And not only did he die and not only did he rise and not only did he sit. But the other question I get asked is this. What is Jesus doing now? Is he just sitting down? Is, is that all Jesus is doing right now? Like right now, right now. What is Jesus doing? Right now. Jesus is doing something quite amazing for us, my friends. He is interceding for us which means he is speaking on our behalf. Right now, as I'm preaching to you, Jesus is defending me and speaking on my behalf because me, in and of myself, I cannot speak on my own. And I am not worthy, I promise you this, I am not worthy to speak to you in and of myself, but I have a defender. I have one who speaks on my behalf and defends me in the courtroom. You see, because we were missing one other person, not just the judge. We don't stand on our own in the courtroom. No, we have the best defense lawyer in the universe and it is Jesus and when Jesus stands before the judge he says to him every single day she is not guilty she is mine he is not guilty he is mine they have believed in me by faith they are righteous he pleads our case he is our advocate he is our mediator before God the Father 
God the Father, he isn't a mean judge. Do you know why he isn't a mean judge? Because he brought Jesus into the courtroom to speak on our behalf. And Jesus intercedes for us. How wonderful it is to know right now that we have someone defending us on the basis of what he has done and not on the basis of what we have done. There is one more question, and this question is perhaps the greatest of all. Who can be against us? No one. Who shall bring a charge against us? No one. Who shall condemn us? No one. The final question for this morning is this. Who can separate us? Can you guess the answer by now? The answer is no one. And the full question is this, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? No one. Many of you, because of your sin right now, some of you feel so much guilt and shame and pain because of your sin. And you feel like the love of God and the love of Christ is far away from you right now because everything is against you right now. That is how you feel. But the truth is this. Who shall separate you from the love of Christ? Hear me. No one. And the reason I know that is because Paul goes to pains to make sure that you know that no one or nothing could separate you from the love of Christ. In fact, he makes two lists. The first list is this. It is a list of all the hardships in life that he could think of. And he lists them. Here's what he says. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Who shall separate us from his love? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sore? And so he lists out things. And what you need to know about Paul's lists is Paul's lists are not comprehensive lists. Paul's lists are example lists, which means what Paul is saying is here's a few examples of hardships. Can these hardships separate you from the love of Christ? And what his point is, is, is no. But what he also wants you to do is fill in the blank. You see, you could fill in the blank of this list with any hardship in this world. And the answer would still be no. So you could say this. Shall cancer separate me from the love of Christ? No. Shall cruelty separate me from the love of Christ? No. Shall COVID-19 separate me from the love of Christ? No. Christ Jesus died for your sins. And nothing can separate you from his love. Christ Jesus and his love doesn't take us out of the hardships of life. But Christ Jesus and his love loves us through the hardships of life. 
Christ Jesus in his love doesn't take us out of the storm in life. Christ Jesus in his love loves us through the storms of life because he himself experienced that very same storm through death. No hardship can separate us from the love of God. And his final list is this. Nothing you can think of this morning Nothing you can possibly put into your mind and think of with your mind. Nothing that you can think of right now can separate you from the love of Christ. And I know this because of his second list. Verse 37. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Do you see what he's saying here? There is nothing that you could possibly think of that will be able to separate you right now from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In fact, he says at the end of this verse, there is nothing in all of creation that can separate us from his love. Who can be against us? No one. Who shall bring a charge against us? No one. Who can condemn us? No one. Who can separate us from the love of Christ Jesus? Hear me. No one. And these questions could be your questions. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus. In these days of hard questions, my friend. I would encourage you, remember to ask the good questions. Remember to ask the gospel questions. Remember to ask the good news questions. And always remember that in Christ Jesus, the answer is no one. I'm going to take some time now to pray for you. Uh, For those of you watching and listening in, let us take some time just to pray before the Lord, thanking him for his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension and his interceding for us in heaven. And as I take this time to pray, after I pray, we're going to have another song. And during that song, we will have a time of reflection, time where you can share verses with us again. Maybe share a comment with us. Let us know if there's something that spoke to you this morning or something that we could pray for this morning or anything that comes to your mind. Take that song as an opportunity to do that. Write it in the comments below and we will have a time of sharing after this. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we don't just have the hard questions, but we have the good questions. And Lord Jesus, we know that no one, can separate us from your love. No one can bring a charge against us. No one can condemn us. 
And we thank you that all of this is because of what happened this week and all those years ago. And we celebrate the fact that you are risen. And we long for the day that we spend eternity with you. And Lord Jesus, I pray for those right now who do not know you and have not put their faith and trust in you and are feeling lost and afraid and alone. Lord Jesus, I pray that they would come to you right now. Lord Jesus, I pray that they, they in their own small little way with, with whatever words they can muster to you will just simply ask, will you forgive me, Lord, for my sin? And that they might ask to put their trust in you and that they might decide today that they want to follow you and you alone. Lord, encourage us as we turn to this next song, we pray in your precious and glorious name. Amen. Right now we're going to sing All Hail the Glorious Christ. It is a new song. Um, so I want to give you opportunity to just look at the words and reflect on this song again. So let us uh, spend time uh, singing this song together before our reflection.
words of that song now over all you reign. You overwhelm the grave and rose again on high. Hail the glorious Christ. Wonderful, wonderful words uh, that we have this morning. I can now see all the comments. Thanks again uh, to Steve Keating for setting up um, all this this morning. It is just uh, wonderful to be able to reflect on God's word and and. Um, and see God's word. So I can see Andrew's praying hands, of course, uh, here first. Uh, so thank you, um, Andrew, for praying. Um, John Dean, that is my dad, for those of you who know. Uh, good to see you, dad. And, and mom, hopefully you're, you're watching as well. Uh, Christ has risen. Alleluia. That is indeed uh, right. Uh, Veronica, uh, hi there. Good to see you. Um, it was great to have you here. Uh, thanks for uh, coming and tuning in. Uh, John Daunt, um, good that you're here. Uh, thanks for coming. Coffee in church this morning. That's um, that's good uh, that you're able to have coffee with uh, church this morning. So um, great uh, to have you, Rosie. Uh, good morning to you. Uh, happy Easter to you and to all all the family. Uh, wonderful to have you here, Michelle and the Mercados. Uh, praying for you at this time. I won't mention everything uh, right now, but praying um, for you at this time. Um, Claire and um, Wendy and Adam saying hi and grace. Uh, wonderful to have you as well. Uh, Jedda, great to have you this morning. Happy Easter to you and the family. Sue Ellen, Pedro, um, Lara as well. Donna, happy Easter to you. Wonderful to have you in uh, this morning. Um, uh, Carmen, thanks. Good to see you. And, and Julia, good morning from the Blanchards. Good morning to, from a lot of people. It's great to have you. Ben Sly as well. Let's get to some of these, um, some of these verses. Abby, happy Resurrection Sunday. Hope you all have a great day reflecting on the sacrifice of Jesus has made for us and his victory that we have over sin. Hallelujah. Amen. Indeed. Uh, to that. Hallelujah. Eliana and Maro and Ana Luisa and Mariana, wonderful to have you as well. Um, thankful to have you. Uh, Donna, uh, you write, happy Resurrection Day. Uh, brother, praise our almighty and gracious God for his great love. The gospel is of first importance. Blessings to you and your family on this truly God-given day. Worship King Jesus. And I love what she says there. The gospel is of first importance. This is why we've done this gospel series. Not only is the gospel for those who don't believe, but the gospel is for those who believe and trust in Jesus. The gospel is of first importance. And she got um, that reference from uh, 1 Corinthians 15. It says this. Now, I would remind you, brothers, this is what he's saying to the church, remember. Now, I would remind you, brothers, the gospel I preached to you, which you received and in which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you. As of first importance, what I received. That Christ Jesus died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance to the scriptures. 
The gospel is not just something for those who don't believe. The gospel is for those of us who do believe. He preached that to the Corinthians uh, as of first importance. So this is what is as of first importance for us today and for us every day. We want to constantly be speaking this message to our own hearts. A good friend of mine uh, reminded me of that uh, glorious him tell me the old old story and every sunday when you when you sit down now in front of your computer screen but hopefully not for long every sunday you should be saying to that preacher tell me the old old story i want to know the good news because it is the good news that will hold me and keep me a few more comments um from Donna, thank you. Uh, Yvonne Carlson, I hope you're still watching uh, from Chicago. Great uh, to have you. Hallelujah. He is risen indeed. And so I praise God uh, for your prayers and your time um, time with us. Um, Andrew, you have asked uh, near the end of the discussion, what's stopping anyone from responding to this amazing love of Christ? Um, not for me. Many would say, what's better if not Jesus? And what I would say to you this morning, if you, if you are watching this morning and you don't believe, what is stopping you from embracing the love of Jesus? He is offering that love to you right now. What's stopping you? What is holding you back from the one who did not hold anything back from you, who gave his own son? And I would say this also to the believers this morning. What is stopping you from trusting and believing in this message? That nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Some of us as believers, we're not even remembering that truth. And we're forgetting that truth. That nothing can separate me from his love. And this is why we need to remind each other again and again of what Jesus has done. Because we're so easy to forget. Just like God's people in the wilderness forgot his grace in providing for them. We as his people forget and grumble and complain of all that Jesus has done. Mary King, good morning to you. Thanks um, for being a part of this and, and sharing. And then uh, the O'Briens share Romans 6 verse 4. Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, we too now shall live a new life in him. Because we have believed and trusted in him, and I've said this before, we are so attached to him, we are in him, therefore what has happened to him has happened to us. And if he is raised from the dead, so that too is a promise for us, that we too will be raised from the dead, on the final day, uh, by him, trusting in him. Good to have you, Tom and Joan, um, rushing from the other service. Listen, we'll leave it at that this morning, guys. Um, thank you uh, for tuning in. Thank you uh, for being a part of this. We are going to finish with one more uh, song, one more um, new song. The song is called Christ Exalted is Our Song. And I just want to give you the opportunity during this time again to reflect and pray and know the meaning of what it is to worship the resurrected Christ. Remember these 
good questions, when the hard questions come, that no one can separate us from the love of Christ. I'd encourage you to continue listening in as we sing this song together. see you again um, next Sunday uh, here again as we go through the next part of our good news story and again we'll try and make things look a little different as we continue to improve this and worship the Lord together. God bless you. Thank you for being part of our service.